getting you ready for all the biggest games across the college sports world. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. Jess, my name is Jeffrey Wright. My co-host back with us this week is RJ Choppy. RJ, of course, the co-host of Sean and RJ on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Monday through Friday, 5.30, 10 a.m. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Choppy. I am on Twitter at 929ESPN. I guess let's start with the news, RJ. Yeah. I think if you've been paying attention to the college football playoff, you kind of you got the sense that this is where it's headed. Today, the CFP announces there will not be any expansion. They're going to write out the rest of the contracts. That will go until 2026. No consensus could be agreed upon, RJ. I feel like kind of where I am right now is like over the summer, there was just so much optimism. You know, you get the, you get yeah. the announcement about the 12-team playoff, and I don't think college sports have ever had a proposal that was as unanimously praised and agreed upon as that was at the time. And then, of course, the SEC goes and gets Texas and Oklahoma, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's doing the Spider-Man meme, pointing at each other. Well, if it's good for the SEC, we can't do this. What's your read on this right now? Because I think, for me, the issue is, Forget about the near future. Like, if they can't come to an agreement right now, why can why would they be able to come to one in 2026? And they've already proven that they're not willing. Everyone's kind of willing to even work against their own self-interest. You know, like what we're seeing. I, I I'm just here at this like everyone thinks like it's gonna expand. It's gonna expand. I don't know why 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 like it it yeah. should have expanded now. Here we are. You know. Look, I mean, I'm an SEC guy. Uh, I know you live in SEC country as well. Um, it, it does seem like this is the boo-hoo party uh, that has come on with this, that everybody is upset that, you know, the SEC got Oklahoma and Texas, and now they want to fire back by doing this. I, I think they're, um, like you said, they're acting against their own best self-interests. Uh, if you want to make sure that Alabama doesn't make the, the, the playoffs every year, don't have a 12-team playoff. They almost missed it this year. Um, I am not, I, I think, because I, I listened to a lot of stuff on the way home from work today of, you know, various national radio talk show people. And they're all basically spewing the same talking points, which is, you know, college football hurt itself. We need a 12-team playoff, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and I'm like, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, but that, that that's great, but you know, this is, this is like our game. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have opinions of college football that aren't really college football fans. And I don't really care about about it. The problem that I've had the last year or so is it feels like the people that are driving the conversation in college football are not college football fans. Like that's why they want it to look like the NFL. Like that's because that's what they know. That's what they understand. They understand the NFL. And for all the reasons that you and I have documented from, it's just not going to be a fair sport. Like, it's just, that's the nature of it. Whether we can yeah. argue the morality of it, but that's, that is, that's the reality of the situation. The NFL model doesn't work. And I think that's kind of been my larger feeling in general, particularly, you know, the last seven, eight months. Listen, I, I'm a capitalist just like every other human being. Like, go, go get your money. It does feel like 
in college football more than ever, they're trying to chase money, but they don't really know how to do it. And, and that's kind of what I've always, you know what I mean? Like in the end, it feels like, it feels like the last concern is what makes our product better mm. or, you know, how in the end it's all about chasing money, but they don't really know how to do it. And I think there's just so much money flying around. They're like, Oh, we'll do this. We'll do that. Like there is just no direction whatsoever. No. In the sport. no, there's not. And that's the problem when you have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of different commissioners all trying to uh, decide what to do instead of having one overlord, if you want to call it that. Commissioner. You know, like yeah. You, I mean, uh, you know, you can, yeah. It, what, you know, why do you have Bob Bowlesby and, 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 you know, over here? And then why do you have the Pac 12 commissioner? Why do you have the SC commissioner? Why do you have the big, te- you know, they're all, they all have different interests. And their interests are never going to align. The Big 12 is never going to have the same interests as the Big 10. They're completely different. You know, like there is the high and mighty academic Big 10. And the SEC is like, you know what? We know what we are. We're a sports conference. You know, we we got Vanderbilt here to kind of balance things out. Well, they don't have a lot of the same uh, similar interests. They got some. Uh, so I just think it's really, really difficult to, to to come to some consensus on what to do with the college football playoff when you have five different conferences, all with their own self-interest, all who want what's best for their member institutions, but none who have the overall scope of the sport in mind. Yeah, I kind of wonder if this is the beginning of what has been kind of discussed for years. I mean, heck, I remember Tommy Tuberville talking about it in the early 2000s that's headed to the quote-unquote super conferences and yeah. that there's the breaking of the way that, that keeps, you know, kind of being discussed. I'm not even necessarily saying, like, I don't even know, honestly, like, what it will look like, but the thing that you point out there that I do think is going to start motivating people, I think what we're going to see is there's going to be a lot of schools that are, okay, what are, what are our interests? What are our motivations? And the funny thing is, I actually think a school like Ohio State is much more aligned with Georgia and Alabama than it is with Northwestern. And so what is interesting to me is to see, is there going to be someone that's able to unite these like-minded schools? And that is what brings the breaking away. Because USC is going to be way more aligned with those schools than they are with Cal and with Stanford. And so... Like, I am interested to see if maybe this starts expediting it because in this name, image, and likeness world that we're living in, in which a signing class is getting $31 million, the schools that are, that are like Ohio State and, and USC, like, I think they're going to acknowledge, like, we've got to make sure that we can stay with them and compete with them. Yeah. And it honestly may be the ultimate example. If you can't beat them, join them. Like, I am fascinated to see if this starts moving things more quickly. Because right now, it just feels like everyone's just kind of trying to kick the can, you know, down the curb, and they're not getting anywhere. And I honestly think that's kind of what motivated Texas and Oklahoma to go to the SEC. Like, they tried to work on the television deal with the Big 12, and they didn't really get anywhere. And then all of a sudden, they look around, they go, well, I guess you can't beat them, join them. Like, I I do wonder if this is going to start moving things like that. It might. I mean, we, we, you know, I, I do think that if the, if 
if they wanted to go to an NFL style format, you know, they're going to have to cut it down to one conference, you know, and just, and, and, and expand the season, uh, you know, to have it the way it is now, there's no way that, that they can, you know, I don't think make it so everyone is absolutely satisfied. Uh, I, I really don't. There are so many, and you're right. Ohio State's interests are much more closely aligned with Georgia's than they are with Northwestern. Um, or, I mean, there's probably, there's, you know, Maryland, Rutgers. I mean, those schools, yeah. those aren't football powerhouses. You know, those are more, uh, you know, regular, regular, normal academic type institutions. Not on the level of Northwestern, obviously. You know, and the same thing, Vanderbilt. I mean, what does Vanderbilt and Tennessee have in common? Like, they share the same major highway. Like, that's yeah. really it. And the people who go to Tennessee just didn't get into Vandy. Uh, like, that, that, that's another part. So, th- there's not a whole – even within conferences themselves, there's not a whole lot of similarities uh, with, with every school. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can't have a conference, but it does make it much more difficult to everybody on the same page. And just like it makes it difficult in, in, within one conference to get them on the same page, now you've got regions that are different, um, you know, priorities in each region are different football is religion in the south it is not religion uh on the west coast it is not religion in the northeast uh college football at least you know so like everyone's interests are different and that's why it becomes so difficult to nail down exactly what they're going to do and what they want to do yeah and i i think kind of the 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 thing that has stood out to me is in the end the money is going to be where television is. And the thing about television, and, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm going to try to be a realist, the NFL's TV product is about as good as it can get. Like, they have the games down pat. Like, they, you know, you got, whatever, eight games that start at noon. All eight usually end within five to ten minutes of each other. Like, they know how to do the television product. College football is not really a great television product. The games are entirely too long. Like, no one's willing to fix that. It's it's always been more of a game day experience than it is a television product. Yeah. And so I keep wondering, like, if, if television is going to be, in the end, like, if television is what's driving all of this, does that just inherently make the product worse? Because... Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think ESPN, I think they get college football from a sense of uh, what their target demo is. But ESPN's always going to be interested in what's best for ESPN. Like, they're not worried about saving a sport. Right. They're worried about they're worried about their profit. Sure. You know, and, and college football's got to recognize that they're going to have to stop stopping the clock after a first down. That, yeah. that is probably that is probably the number one probably not probably it is the number one reason why these games take five hours. Uh, I sat in in I'll say I sat in Kyle Field in 2016 during a five and a half hour football game, and I'll tell you what, it felt like it flew by, but I was at the stadium. Right, I had never been to Kyle Field, uh, and I lived three hours away from it, and and I'd never been there. I was like, I want to go. Um, so. Yes, you're absolutely and right. You don't care about a five-minute or a four-minute commercial break if you're at the game. That's when you go get a coat, or you know what I mean. Like you know what I mean. Like that's yeah. Like okay, during that, but it's like, you know, it really stands out to. I don't know how you felt this fall, but I mean, I'm someone that watches a ton of games. Period. It really stood out to me this fall. It's like, you know, we had you know, eight screens in here, 
And there are times when all eight games are on commercial break. And you're like, yo, this, this, there's got to be something to be done. I'm jealous you guys have eight screens. We only have three in ours. That's uh, we, We've um, had to bring in, we had to bring in multiple Apple TVs. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I, I uh, this year was, was, you know, the first year that I, I also kind of noticed it. And I'll tell you what, this is also the first year where both my sons were playing uh, select baseball. So I missed quite a bit. And I, I'll be honest. There were times when I didn't miss it. I didn't miss that, you know, Southern, you know, SoCon Saturday in the SEC. I didn't miss some of these bad games that uh, that took place in the early part of the year. I, you know, there were some times where, you know, some weeks I was like, man, you know what? I wish I could have seen that game. Uh, and then there were others all like, you know what? I, it, it, not a big deal. Um, I, I watched as much as I could. I would follow it on my phone. We would have, you know, some there's TVs, a lot of these ball, ballparks that we go play at now. So, but, it, you know, they are so long and they've got to make it a better tv product you're absolutely right i just think kind of like the overall theme that i'm noticing and you know who knows maybe i'll look back on this in two years and i realize like ah, i was just you know when i was chicken little but the thing that seems to be common throughout whether we're talking about the college football playoff expansion whether we're talking about conference alignment whether we're talking about you know what to do about games and whatnot nil legislature or you know are there are we going to come up with rules for the transfer portal the thing that really really sticks out to me is the fact that there's no leadership there's no consensus there's really no one like there's no one stepping up and saying like we've got to do something and it's just it's that weird question of like okay well if you don't do something like at a certain point like i don't know crisis might be strong like there is an identity crisis, I think, at the least in college sports right now. Yeah, there is. They 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 want to be amateur, but they know they're not. Right. And and that becomes that becomes very difficult to manage. You, you know, when when you when you try to create the facade that you're an amateur sport, when you know Bruce Pearl makes more. Jim Harbaugh is the ninth highest paid NFL coach. Bruce Pearl makes. 20% more money a year than the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Bruce Pearl is coaching Auburn basketball. That is at best the fourth most important team in its own state. Like, and, and that's the state of Alabama. I mean, with to your, no to your point, Zach Lee, we saw the, now he got a new contract uh, with the Bengals, but like they were, they showed his deal. He made like SEC basketball coach money, not even SEC football coach money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like the uh God, the guy's name has escaped me. The Missouri football coach, uh Eli. Uh, uh, Eli Drinkwitz. He makes the same amount of money as Mike McCarthy. He's yeah. coaching Missouri. And not really that well. No. Like we're talking about like the, the NFL coaches are, are are so grossly underpaid compared to college athletics. And you know, you can't have it like that and then try to also put the facade in that you're amateur sports. So much for listening to us. Why, when we come back, let's turn our attention to the world of college basketball. It's February. We're, we're inching towards March. We're starting to figure out who these teams are. We'll discuss that next right here on BeckQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BeckQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BeckQL and the Odyssey app.
All right, here we go. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome back to BetQLU. He's RJ Choppy. I am Jeffrey Wright. Let's get into the world of college basketball. Before we get into the games, RJ, let's just go big picture. Now that we're sitting in, you know, we're here in the middle of February, I guess close to the end of February, we're starting to get a look at the landscape. When you look at the landscape thus far, how many teams out there have you seen that you sit there and you go, okay, I can see them actually winning a title? You know, I can see Gonzaga. Um, I could see Arizona, uh, Baylor. Um, I could see Kentucky win it. Uh, uh, Auburn. I can see Auburn winning it. Um, although they might be lower on my list for some reason. I don't know. I, it's just the way they, the, the tournament goes, heavy guard play. Yeah, um, I, I feel like the hesitation with Auburn is the fact that they are so good in the front court, but typically when we see teams that, you know, win titles, it's usually guard heavy. Yeah, I can see UCLA. Uh, I can see UCLA winning it. Um, and, and, you know, I might I might be able to throw in a Houston. Might yeah, be able to throw I, in uh, a Houston's, Texas Tech. Houston's really banged up. I If they get Sasser back, maybe – I don't know, man. I've watched them recently with a lot closer eyes being here in Memphis. It reminds me of a team that is a really good, solid team that may not make the first, may, may not make it out of the first weekend. It, yeah, you know what they, they remind me of? The Mick Cronin Cincinnati teams. Like, you know, they're good. Like, you, yeah. you don't want to, but at the same time, that's not who I really want to back come, come tourney right. time. Right. You, you, you have, uh, you're right. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a classic team that, might be overseeded uh, and get stuck with an underseeded team and get upset in the first round. Like they might be one, not a first round, but that'd, that'd be tough. But you know what I mean? You can already see it now. Everyone's going to have that upset too on the bracket, and everyone's going to talk about their bracket. Like you, yeah. you can see it. Like down goes Houston. Yeah, they're right for a two seed to get beat by a seven seed uh, Iowa, yeah. Seton Hall, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so, so, Someone, that's shoots the problem. Them out, someone shoots them out of the building. Yep. And that's the problem with some of these teams, you know, like you get up towards the top, um, you know, at the top, you're great, but you know, outside of those five handful, you know, five or six handful of teams, you know, you got a lot of schools, a lot of teams that just don't have that one guy they can count on if they're in a six minute drought. And that's part of the problem with college football, college basketball anyway, is so many of these teams don't have that one go-to player that, can win them a game when the rest of the guys aren't making anything. One team I want to talk about, and I know you got eyes on them because your team played them this week. I really liked how Kentucky was trending. Uh, I've mentioned to you yeah. my my theory of when John when Cal goes from these kids to my guys, that's when you just start hammering them because that means he actually yeah. likes his team. I do think the one issue that you see with them is they're a very good team. But if Ty Ty Washington is not playing at a high level, and right now he's clearly banged up, like I don't know what did, what did you think of Kentucky? Because I mean, to me, like that was the classic. Yeah. Tennessee jumped on him, kind of suffocated him the rest of the game. But I mean, that was one of the more disappointing efforts I've seen from Kentucky. Yeah, it was. I, I was with you. I was very uh, uh, bullish. Is it bullish? Is that the right word when they're going up? Yeah. When you're trending up on, on Kentucky, and I still am. Um, I, I think that, you know, they may have, uh, you know, they may have that, that best player on the floor in every game they're going to play. 
And uh, I, I am very big on them. They dominated back-to-back weeks of major games, one against Tennessee and then one against Kansas. They completely dominated. And I don't really put much stock in this loss they had to Tennessee this week because Tennessee's a really good home team, and they haven't lost at home this year. And they're just a – I mean, they're a different team um, in Knoxville. Uh, and, 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 you know, those teams always split anyway. You know, th- th- those two schools always split uh, their, 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 their season series. So I didn't put much stock in that game from a Kentucky standpoint. I think it was much bigger for Tennessee than it was for Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, I think, still is a massive uh, threat and probably the threat to me, one of the favorites to win the title. What do you make of your Vols? Right now, they're still top five in adjusted defensive uh, efficiency at Ken Palm. They're now creeping up into – they're inside the top 30 in adjusted offense. Kennedy Chandler, I feel like, is playing better, and I think that makes sense. You know, a, a young freshman guard, as the season goes on, he, he gets more comfortable in playing better. What do you make of them? Because when I was watching them earlier in the year, and, you know, they're trying to win the game 53-51, it's not – you sit – very rarely do you go, that's a team that's, that's going to make some noise yeah. in the tournament. But it does feel like this team is starting to kind of come together, and they're certainly they're certainly improving on the offensive end. I do think you're right. Uh, there was a time this year where they were on. I couldn't even watch a game. I was like, I, I can't do this, guys. Like, I've got to. You got to entertain me somehow. I know it's my school, but but come on. Um, but you know they have turned it around, and you know outside of that loss to Texas, I mean, we're talking about a a you know double digit you know consecutive game win streak. And that loss to Texas, I mean, they could have easily won that game. They could have easily also gotten blown out. They were getting blown out uh, in that one. I, They have a ceiling. They're not a title team. But, you know, I no longer think they're a shoe-in to get knocked out in the first round. I mean, I, you, I, you would ask me four weeks ago, I would thought, oh, they're a five seed. They're going to lose to a 12 again. Um, but now, I mean, I could see them as a four seed, and I could see them making the second weekend. I wouldn't count on it. Um, they'll probably wind up playing a – you know, a, a, you know, a, a decent team in the second round, maybe a UConn, but uh, I could, I could definitely see them making the second, second day or second weekend. What do we do with a team like Baylor? Because I think when Baylor is at full strength, that is one of those teams that I'm like, I can see them repeating. Like I can see them cutting down the nets again, but the injuries have just been, they've been so devastating to them to the sense that like you watch them play and on a Sunday or a Saturday night, they might look completely different than they do on Wednesday. What are you, what are we doing with Baylor right now? You know how uh, you, you'll get a school where um, let's just take Carolina, right? Take Carolina right. years ago, back, back in the, uh, you know, post Rasheed Wallace, Jerry Stackhouse, you're bringing Carter and Jameson. They have a down right. year. You know, they have a down year that they're back the following year. I think that's kind of where Baylor is right now. They lost a ton of guys uh, to either graduation or the NBA. They still have a lot of players that are from that team, but it's not nearly the same team. There is no defensive dog that could just stop anybody. There is no that one guy I don't think they could take over a game. I think they're absolutely clearly a threat to win the title. But, I mean, I, I think this is a shell of last year's squad. Last year's squad uh, you know, and, and I may be a little biased, you know, living 70 miles from Waco. Sure. That's, that's one of the more underappreciated champs I can remember. Like, like nobody mentions them. They were a dog to Gonzaga. Everyone, you know, they, they, they put an absolute butt whooping on them. Uh, but I, 
I just, you know, I don't think a lot of people think of Baylor and think college basketball royalty, and they're not, but they, they're getting there. Um, they're a good team. They're a team that can win the title, but, I mean, they're not nearly what last year's was. So we had this discussion last week when you were off. I want to get your thoughts. I think there is a case to be made that Gonzaga probably is that team that we're kind of searching for, if you will. Like, who yeah. is who is that team? Is it possible, though? I, I feel like we went from we went from never believing in them to they get to the Final Four, they lose a close game to Carolina in the championship game. But like that kind of that kind of changed the narrative. We started believing in them, and then it felt like last year everyone probably believed in them too much. Yeah. And then when they get popped by Baylor in the fashion that they did, have we done like an overreaction and an overcorrection in which we're probably not giving them enough credit? Because I can see where that scenario is playing is playing out. But at the same yeah. time, I kind of had the same issue with Gonzaga that I kind of do with Auburn, but at maybe a slightly higher level. It's like part of, I think, what makes them so good is their front court. And I still am not overwhelmed by their guard play. So Gonzaga is like the uh, the team or the or the player that you always thought was this choker. That's a, they always do that, and then they finally get there, and now you're like, oh, okay, all right, maybe they're not, and then they blow it, and then you use that one data point where they blew it to completely trash on everything they've just done to get there in the, to that point, and I think that's where we are with Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga is you're right. They over we overcorrected. They're still are a we, fantastic there, team. Is there whiffs of Georgia, Georgia football? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the same sense, in the same sense of like, as you said, like Georgia's a thing. And now, you know, they got to the title game and, you know, whatever, third and 26 or second and 26 happens. And Tua throws the touchdown pass and you're like, you just kind of write them off. And then even this year, you know, they go undefeated and they get popped in the SEC championship game. And it just felt like, maybe we jumped off the train a little too quickly because I kind of was in the same boat. Like I didn't really care who Georgia played. I was betting Georgia. And then I got, I got burned in the title game and I'm sitting there going, you're an idiot. Nick Saban was getting points and you laid them like you're an idiot. I do kind of wonder maybe if the, with, with Gonzaga, there's an element of, of how we treated Georgia. There, there probably is. I, I would throw another, another one at you and, I, and I'll use this example because mid-major and small market there's an oakland a's element to them make yeah. the playoffs all the time and then you know what they're going to do they are just going to get they're going to let you down they'll let you so there's that element of of of, of the a's and I, I love the georgia comparison too because until this year i mean georgia's going to georgia uh and, and you know they had to get basically down and out to not it was uh gonzaga's a good squad they are definitely uh to me that team that i think that you were saying we're looking for that's who we're looking for uh, they just got to now go out and do it. What do you make of Arizona thus far? I mean, I, I think they're one of the few teams that can win it. Um, you know, what does Ken Palm have them at second overall? Yeah, I mean, they just got the second and then Ninth in offense, seventh in defense. Like they fit I the mean, profile of a champion. Yeah, I mean, they put they fit the profile of the favorite. Yeah, right. You, you, they they really do. They're they're a solid. Uh, basketball team, and it's good to see that you know because they had so much, so many issues going on uh, with the, uh, the 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 shoes, the free shoes scandal, the what the Adidas Nike uh, scandal. So they had some issues, and and to their credit, they have gotten through that. But you know they're they're easily 
Easily a title favorite. Uh, how how are you okay? Did, I know when Coach when Coach K did it did it affect you the same way when he went down in the second half that it did for me. You know, it's tough you know, to get rid of those headlines, but he did it. Yeah, he got rid of those headlines. Uh, yeah. He absolutely did. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, all you got to do is is you got you got to hit the deck. Uh, yeah, Coach US. Now, which headline are we talking about? Is it the headline that uh, LeBron had to get him to to you know put the clamps down on Kobe, or is it the oh I don't want Tommy Emmerich to really coach my team, so we're it's, gonna it's the Tommy the, the one that I think he was really fighting was. Tommy Amaker and, you know, it's control of the program and that he's always, you know, he's going to be the evil czar. The funny thing was he was doing his radio circuit yesterday of, you know, of, of telling his story. RJ, it sounded like he just had a hangover. He said he, he, he celebrated his 75th birthday too hard, needed an IV, was lightheaded, dizzy. I was like, I think, I just think Mikey yeah. K got a little too hard in the vino. Yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, uh, he yeah, because he doesn't strike me as a uh, as a straight bourbon guy. I, I don't see oh, no, 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 no. He is he is not pounding the the Russell's Reserve. He's not going after any Dickel. No, no. He he is he's a wine dude. Canis, yeah. Nickel, whatever he may be going for, he's mm-hmm. definitely a wine guy. He one hundred percent got into it. He got into the Sacramento wine. That's a good Robin Hood men in tights reference. Uh, he got into it, and and then he you know, he got some IVs. Not enough. Not enough IVs. Needed more. I, I just, I respect his ability to play the media mm-hmm. should be studied. Like, because, you know what I mean? Like, literally, he's dealing with, he was dealing with serious, like, headlines, and then 12 hours completely gets it to go away. Like, it's unbelievable to me because I actually thought the funniest thing about the Amaker story, I thought of you when I'm reading it. I was like, because I remember I asked you a couple of weeks ago, I was like, if you look at every major coach, the NCAA in some form or fashion has gotten them or tried to get them. Yeah. Tried to get Roy. They got Calhoun. They tried to get Bayheim, Bill Self. Cal has got two titles uh, or two Final Fours taken down at multiple places. But they've never been able to get Mikey K and never been able to get him. And yeah. your point was it's because there's he, he keeps it in-house, keeps the yeah. family tight. And to me, as I'm reading that story with Amaker, I'm like, Oh, no, that makes sense because while Tommy Amaker is part of the Duke family, he's been gone for 20 years. And it, it, you got to yeah. keep it in-house because he's worried about controlling that legacy. Uh, he, he is. Now, if he's worried about, like, you know, stuff getting out, I guess it would because then Shire would be the odd man out, and he may yeah. spill the beans. But now won't Amaker? Isn't Amaker bitter right now, or is he cool because he's living in Harvard making, you know, decent amount of money and he's – you know, or the, he doesn't want the job. The Who real knows? question I have is, does Amaker know where the bodies are buried? Like, I think he's, I think there was a reason he was way more worried about when Jeff Capel left again, because Capel knows where the bodies are buried. I, Amaker might be gone for so long, the statute of limitations is up. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but it was weird. Uh, you know, if you want to coach, you're going to have to come be an assistant to me and sit on the bench, like, for a year. No, he went, what? He went full Cartman. He's like, he goes... Well, and then we'll have to take away the job of somebody else. You don't want to do that, do you? Like he yeah. went full Cartman. It was unreal. I, I, I've never, I've never seen anything like it. That was one of the wildest stories I've seen. When we come back, we'll take a look at the big games of the weekend. We'll get thoughts on that next, right here on BetQLU. 
From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. RJ, it's kind of the nature of college basketball. We don't get lines. You know, you and I can sit here during the fall and and go over a line that's been mm-hmm. out a week for a football game, but we don't really get lines basically until later tonight, maybe even tomorrow for college hoops. But I think let's let's kind of go by it chronologically tomorrow. Because I'll be hosting, I'll be hosting the BeckQLU in the action show from noon until four. You want to tune in to that tomorrow? Let's start chronologically. Illinois, Michigan State. Illinois has been another one of those teams. We didn't really mention them last segment. I don't quite know what to do with them. I also openly admit, if you're a Big Ten team and I'm trying to put you into the national title conversation, like I need you to prove it because. I just have been burned by so many Big Ten teams that I thought were good, and then I get into yeah. the tournament, and, and it's like, what was I doing? I was an idiot. Illinois feels primed to be that candidate for me this year. How do you kind of see this one shaping up? And in, it's in East Lansing, by the way. You know, if, if you look at Ken Palm, I mean, Illinois is, a, is, is, is number 15 in the nation, but they also fall into that. You know, they're top 25 in both offense and defensive uh, you know, adjusted efficiency they're kind of in that area where they're like a fringe title contender, right? Uh, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't buy a whole lot of the big 10 right now. I think it's, I think it's a tremendous conference. Uh, very, very balanced. I don't know that there's a real title contender out of there. Um, I don't think Purdue is, I don't think Illinois is yet. Uh, I don't think Michigan state is and Michigan is a team that is, done nothing but disappoint so I'm, I'm kind of with you I, I would I would lean I would lean Illinois in this one though yeah I kind of so the games in East Lansing if Ken Palm projections end up being the line which for the most part this year that's kind of what we've been seeing maybe maybe sometimes the line gets bet differently but it's gonna be a one point a one point advantage for Michigan State I would kind of be tempted to take points on the road. Uh, I don't know why. I just feel like I trust them more. But, you know, you look at it in terms of the top half, like Purdue. Are you are you really going to believe in Purdue again? Because, yeah. no, thank you. Like, you, you can have that. And if I get proven wrong, so be it. Like, Wisconsin, I don't believe in them. Like, it feels like if I'm going to believe in someone, Illinois feels ripe, ripe for that spot for me. All right, let's go into – uh, some other games throughout the day, 1130 starting, or at least 1130 locally. We got Texas Tech in Texas going into Austin. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite B plots of this entire year has been what Texas Tech has been doing. Like, I feel yes. like Texas Tech, Texas Tech has owned like viral videos, everything. Their spite for Texas right now is admirable. Like, I love, yeah. like when you can feel true it doesn't feel phony like it is true they hate them and i just love it they do there's there's no doubt about that they've hated them anyway everybody hates tech everybody hate if you're not a longhorn they are the you're either with us or against us uh if you're not a longhorn and you live in texas you hate texas you do like that's just the way it is like everybody hates the university of texas and you know longhorn fans and you and and they can bring this up 
because it is true. Texas is in a lot of people's heads. When you, when there's when when Texas Tech is playing Oklahoma in a football game, someone there is doing the horns down. Yeah. Like Texas ain't even playing the game. What are you doing? Like honestly, like I actually got to the point where I thought Oklahoma like Oklahoma's just go-to celebrations just horns down. It's just like you're you're playing you're playing Oklahoma State. Like in all your yeah. like it, there is an element of that. I also yeah. think I think though it's twofold. A, I think it's actually less about Texas living in their heads. I think it's the fact that they know how Oklahoma knows how much it bothers Texas. Oh, when you do once down. So Remember they were going to put in the rule that you can celebrate, like you can have like hand signs as a celebration, but the one you can't do, you can't do horns down. It's like, that is so soft. Like so, so soft. soft. So like, what is the difference between horns down and horns up? Dude, I can't do the horns down. Why can they do the horns up? I'm, I, it, it used to bother me, but you, the Gators can do the Gator chomp, but you can't do it to them. It's like, why? Like, yeah, that, why? that makes no logical sense. Absolutely uh, makes no sense. I can't tell, though. I feel like I'm going to bet Texas Tech just because, like, I think I just talked myself into it. Man, I'll tell you, they're they're a solid team. Uh, they're they're very long on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and and now they're not believe in shooting either, though. They do not believe in shooting. No. They, they are a terrible offense. Uh, Texas is not a great offense either, though. Uh, this is this I, this is one of those games where I'm like, you know what? I don't know what the under is, but I'm taking it. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm probably gonna take the under in this game. Uh, it, it just seems like this is a defensive type uh, game, but that that other side story where the Red Raider fans have have found the code, and this they found it about a month ago. They found the code to get all the tickets at the Irwin Center. This is the final year. This is the final year of that stadium. And they found all the t- all the code to get all the tickets. I mean, this is this is peak college football petty. And I I absolutely love it. I didn't realize they're they're getting another arena. Texas? Yeah, this is the last so they're getting a new new basketball arena next year. And that's why that's why Barnes she schedules got that game. Got it. Okay. And, uh, okay. Uh, I just, I, I didn't realize it, but I guess, Hey, listen, you, know, you got to spend the money somehow. So eh, let's just go put up a new, new arena. Alabama goes to Kentucky. Alabama is this weird team. We talked about it last week. I think everybody else wants to believe in them. I, there's just something about it. Like I like Nate Oates as much as everyone. Every time I watch this team play, I leave unimpressed. Well, even in wins. Yeah. I mean, they're the they're the warriors of the of college basketball, you know. They're those Splash Brothers. I mean, they're they're going to sit there and they're going to chuck up fifty threes in the game, and you know, if there was a four point line, they'd be shooting the most four pointers in the game too. I, I love I love the style of Nate Oates, and Nate Oates can, Nate Oates' style can upset any team on any night. But is this a team that I think can win a title, uh, or, or you know, or make a deep? Yeah, they can make a deep run because they can get hot for four games. But I mean, you know, in terms of you know making it to the uh, to the final four, I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, in terms of being Kentucky, I mean, look, if if Kentucky is on their game, I don't I don't know how many teams I would say can actually beat them in the game. I really don't. Yeah, the other thing about Kentucky right now, I can't remember the last team Cal actually liked. 
And you can yeah. tell, like, he likes coaching this team. You know, they're a little older than what he's used to. He's not completely dependent on the, the top-end high school talent. Uh, you can tell he likes this team. Again, I think if I'm, if I'm betting that game, I'm obviously taking Kentucky at home, but I'm also watching the injury report and seeing, you know, is Ty Ty, is Ty, Ty good to go? Like, uh, to me, like, that's something clearly to watch. Uh, let's go to uh, your alma mater. Tennessee goes on the road. They've not been a great road team this year, as you pointed out. Arkansas kind of in the same, like, it is, they're kind of in the same mold where Arkansas has not been great away from home, but they've been a very, very good home team. There's also, I feel like, this element of, with Arkansas, I keep wanting them, like, I keep wanting to, like, pull the trigger and believe in them, but they haven't done it. This feels like a good opportunity for both teams. Like, Tennessee can kind of change the narrative of they don't win on the road, whereas it feels like with Arkansas, you know, they've got the Auburn overtime win, but this feels like they can kind of keep stacking resume points. Like, I I am fascinated from uh, what are you perspective in this game. Yeah, I think the biggest issue here is, uh, you know, Tennessee is just not a very good road team. I, I could easily see this being a 12 to 15 point Arkansas win. Um, you know, that th- that's just the kind of team Tennessee is when they play on the road. They're not very good. Uh, and if Arkansas is hot from beyond the arc, I mean, this could get ugly real quick because, you know, Tennessee's offense isn't as good uh, maybe as some of the numbers might suggest. So, it is a it is a resume game. There is no doubt. I mean, if if Arkansas wins this one, they've got a they're going to have a you know probably a, they'll have a quad one win. Uh, they'll have a game a win against a team with a, probably a pretty good net rating. Uh, and if Tennessee wins this game, it's a it's a road win against a quad one team uh, that is going to be in the tournament. I think it's a big resume builder for both. I really do. I just think Arkansas. Uh, I, I think Arkansas wins this one. I mean, I, I, if, if the spread is less than, I mean, it's going to be less than this. I would take this probably about Arkansas by eight if I was taking it. I just don't have any faith in Tennessee on the road. Well, I think, honestly, you're going to get your wish because I think Tennessee's probably going to open as a favorite. Maybe like a slight, like a one-point, two-point yeah. favorite. But I, I think that's how it's going to open. But I don't know. I, I kind of lean Arkansas there. But yeah. I'm, I'm always hesitant. It sounds like a money line game to me. Yeah. Uh, then the big one over on ESPN tomorrow night, Oregon goes to Arizona. I thought Oregon was doing classic Dana Altman, slow start, uh, get the guys ready to go, end up being underseated in the tournament. I don't know, man. Like, I, I watched them last weekend. They did not impress me. I'm excited about this game because I actually do think even though Oregon may not be an actual resume line for Arizona, Oregon is a good test of like, what are you? Because they're just so athletic. Like I am kind of interested to see if Arizona can like make a statement tomorrow night. Do you know where Ken Palm has them rated? Has Oregon 80th. 80th. I mean, at one point I think it was like Houston's best win too. They're behind Texas A&M. They're, they're, they're behind, behind Furman, they're behind Vanderbilt Vermont yeah yeah they're behind Vandy Vandy's 13 and 12 uh you know like that it, it I know what you're mean about Dana Altman and getting them ready uh this team just isn't a turn this isn't a tournament ready team now unless they pull an Oregon State uh and do what they did last year and go all the way to the uh you know the win the win the Pac-12 or whatever uh, yeah that's a little run 
Uh, unless they do something like that, they're going to struggle to get in. Yeah, I think the rule should be if you lose at home to Cal, I can't believe yeah. in you. Like he, like that. I feel like that's that's essentially where I, I net out with him. It's like the it's the West Coast equivalent of North Carolina should not be an NCAA tournament team this year just because they lost at home to Pitt. Like that should be a rule. Yeah, man, what happened to Cal sports? Good God, doggies. Turns out if you don't really care about it, it eventually comes back to bite you. I'll be with you tomorrow from noon until 4. You can come hang out with us with BetQLU in the action. Connor will be with us, as will Twitch. We'll have all of the live reaction throughout the day. He's RJ Choppy. I'm Jeffrey Wright. I want to thank you for listening to and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.